Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 154, Put Your Trust in God. To be honest with you, I think sometimes I am growing two different gardens. There's the garden that I have grown by my faith in the Word of God, and then there's the garden of my doubts and my fears. (laughs) And I've noticed that my experience in the garden of doubts and fears is nothing compared to the garden of my faith. So why do I keep tending to it? That's a good question. I think we tend to our gardens of fears and doubt when when we fear we might be wrong, when we fear we're not doing things right, we're not doing enough, when we worry that we're going to be blindsided because our faith requires us to believe in things that we can't see, and that feels like a loss of control, doesn't it? Or maybe we're not really truly understanding and trusting this whole faith process to begin with. I believe as long as that we're doing mortal— As long as we're here on earth and we have the natural fallen man a part of us, I believe that whenever trials and opposition come up, the temptation to tend our garden of doubt and fear is always going to be available to us. The choice lies before us. Which garden are we going to choose? Will we first go to the garden of doubt? Will we walk its perimeter? Will we partake of its fruit? How do we feel when we partake of its fruit? Depletion? Overwhelm? Does the chaos of the overgrowth leave us feeling confused and conflicted about where to begin even in tending this garden? I think we're always going to have the garden be the temptation for us. But are we lingering there? Are we getting stuck there? Or are we just observing that doubt and fear are rising up? This is what that garden looks like. And then do we move on? Do we move on to the garden that we have worked by our faith, where we have planted the word of God and it is growing in abundance? Are we partaking of that fruit and what does that feel like? Does it feel like patience and long-suffering, joy and peace, temperance, kindness, goodness, gentleness? Are we receiving more faith? Is that faith being strengthened? Are we being filled with love? Do we choose to linger there? Do we choose to sit down and enjoy the warmth that's there? Are we choosing to keep adding to that garden? Which garden are you choosing to spend more time in? And which garden do you prefer? Which one do you gravitate to? Last week, Alma spoke to his son Helaman, and this week we're going to review the words that he spoke to Shiblon. And I can't remember if I touched on it last week, but when Alma came back from his mission to the Zoramites, he was discouraged to discover that the Nephites had become hardened, that they began to wax hard and that they began to be offended because of the strictness of the word. Do you ever feel like that today? Have you noticed that there are feelings of offense rising up more and more about the word of God found in scripture? I've noticed it. And this was a trial for Alma, and it caused him great sorrow. And perhaps at this moment, it brought up the opportunity for him to to walk the perimeter of his garden of doubt and fear. But he didn't linger. 
Instead, he did what was in his sphere of influence. Remember, our power lies within our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. That's our agency. So he gathered his sons together and he taught them the word of God, sharing with them his testimony and how he came to know the things that he knows. And as we've studied the Old Testament, we've seen Adam do this. Noah must have done this with his sons for them to be able to come upon the ark and that the Lord said to Abraham, I know you'll teach your children these things. I know you'll teach them my commandments. So this faithful action is something that we too can do. We can gather our children and we can teach them the word of God. So here we have Alma now speaking to his second son, and we learn that this son is steady and faithful to God, that he already chooses to look to God in times of trials. So here we have Alma now speaking to his second son, and we learn that this son is steady and he's faithful to God, and he already chooses to look to God in times of trials, that he keeps the commandments of God, and and he is diligent, and he's patient, and he was long-suffering when he was on his mission to the Zormites, and they bound him, and they stoned him. And that must have been incredibly scary and also confusing, very much a Lord, where art thou moment. But Alma teaches Shiblon something, and I almost missed it, but I'm so glad I didn't. But Alma reassures Shiblon that the reason why Shiblon was able to be patient was because the Lord was with him. How many times have we mistakenly thought and given ourselves too much credit? I'm patient because I am just that incredible. Or I'm steady and faithful because I am such a good person. And maybe we even follow it up with, and everyone should be as good as me. Instead of realizing that the truth is we were able to manifest such characteristics and attributes because God was with us in the first place. Shiblon is a good example. And I believe as I sit here speaking out into the world of podcasts, that those of you who are listening, you are as good as Shiblon, that you are steady and faithful and diligent and obedient, that when trials come upon you, that your first desire is to make your way to the garden of the word of God, where your faith has grown fruit that you know will sustain you. I know that's how you are. But the question is, how do we get there? Especially when we have all this humanness, this fear and this doubt that rise up. How do we follow the counsel of Alma? Because he's giving this now twice. He told Helaman and now he's telling Shiblon. He's telling them, put your trust in God. How do we do that? Because I know we want to. We want to experience those blessings that Alma also promises of being delivered out of our trials and out of our troubles and out of our afflictions and being lifted up at the last day. But what does this look like? How do we know that we're exercising trust? Does it look like that we're never going to experience trials? No. We know that there's opposition in all things. And so therefore, does it look like that if we are experiencing trouble or affliction, that this is a punishment? No. We also know that we came to earth to be proven and tried. It's a part of our human classroom. So what is it that we do to exercise trust despite our trials and our troubles and our afflictions? And here are four things that Alma counseled his son to do. The first one is cry out unto the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. 
Ask him to treat you better than you deserve. Acknowledge your unworthiness before him and then ask for forgiveness anyways. And don't just do this occasionally or periodically. Do it at all times. This acknowledgement, this humbling of ourselves, this is the way to peace. We get this so confused, don't we? We don't realize that peace comes from a clear conscience. It comes from knowing that we are aligned with God's will. It comes from Him because His presence is with us. And when we resist repentance, when we dig our heels into sticking to our guns, even if we might have been wrong, and when we experience shame that causes us to want to hide, we're not recognizing that the remorse was given to us because of God's mercy in the first place to encourage us to repent. We stick to our guns. Why? Is that not pride? And pride is what Alma counsels his son not to be lifted up in. And remember the four C's of pride, competition, contention, conceit, a lack of confidence. We need to independently depend upon God. We need to see him more as our teacher and less as our condemner. And we need to stop boasting in our own wisdom and in our own strength and look to seek his counsel and to plead for his strength. Do you agree? Isn't this putting trust in God? Putting his ways before our ways? Next, Alma teaches Shiblon to be temperate in all things, or in other words, show moderation and self-constraint. He counsels Shiblon, and, and remember, Shiblon is going to continue in the ministry. And then he's also going to be living among those Nephites who are becoming more and more offended by the word of God. So Shiblon is counseled, use boldness, but not overbearance. And how do you find the in-between of those two traits? Acknowledge your unworthiness, seek mercy, put off your pride, lean on God's wisdom and his strength until you are prepared with the companionship of the Lord to face your trials and your troubles and your afflictions so that the Lord can deliver you. You're relying upon him and not your own wisdom, and he'll let you know where is the line between boldness and overbearance. But this process of being temperate and bridling all your passions, it goes a little bit deeper than that even. It's forsaking all of those human emotions that are destructive. It's managing our sensitivities that we don't allow those to steer our ship. It's managing our desires so that the natural man isn't having his way with us, but that we are exercising self-discipline and we're trusting in the attributes of God, that we're choosing steadiness and diligence and patience and long-suffering. We're choosing those fruits of the Spirit. And the promise that we receive that Alma says we will have if we temper ourselves and if we bridle our passions, he says that it will make room for us to be filled with love. Love is always the answer. It is always the place we want to get at. And yet it is our passions, if left unbridled, that are getting in the way of that. And when we feel true love, not manipulation, but just true love, we realize that we can weather so much more than we thought we could. Alma also counsels Shiblon, don't be idle. 
Instead, go and teach the word and be sober. Which tells me that in order for us to keep this trust and exercise this faith that's required of us to be able to trust in God so that we can be delivered, that takes work. It takes us being doers of the word and staying engaged and plugged in. And we know this is true. We even have sayings about idleness in our culture. Idleness is the devil's workshop, or idleness is the holiday of fools, or what about idleness is the enemy of our soul? We know that too much idleness or too much downtime zaps our energy. It stunts our creativity and our problem solving. Our bodies lose their strength and their drive and our minds become minefields with explosions going off left and right. We must stay engaged, tending those gardens and building our trust in him despite the trials or the troubles or the afflictions we face. And all of these principles that Alma's teaching his son, what he's really teaching him is put your trust in God while you're developing self-mastery. And when Alma speaks to his third son, Corianton, he refers to self-mastery as cross yourself in all these things. Double check yourself. Make sure you're right and standing straight with the Lord. Corianton at this point in time, and it's around 74 BC, he is struggling with self-mastery. Where Shiblon was steady and faithful on their mission to the Zormites, Corianton wasn't. Instead of staying engaged in the ministry that he was called to do, Corianton crossed into the borders of the Lamanites and he visited the harlot Isabel. And it appears that Corianton struggled with the four principles that Alma is teaching his son Shiblon, that he struggled with pleading to the Lord for mercy and acknowledging his unworthiness. He struggled with putting off his pride and being temperate and bridling his passions and not being idle. Corianton didn't understand that such higher living was required of the people at this time. He kind of questioned, why is this all necessary? Not only is the coming of the Lord far off, but we're all going to be resurrected. And I think this eat, drink, and be merry kind of affects us all at some time or another. There's why do it now? We can work on it tomorrow. Why exercise patience or forgiveness or long-suffering now? That's something we can learn and do in the future right? And perhaps this even creeps up more in moments of not really understanding and appreciating our worth, or not having the eternal perspective of what all this righteous living is leading us up to, that we can believe that there's plenty of time to work on being like Jesus, and that tomorrow is another day. Or even in those moments when the trial is hard, And the troubles are intense and the afflictions appear to be winning us over. What it takes to put trust in God feels either maybe too big or insufficient for what we're facing. And I'll end with the counsel that Alma gave Corianton to all of these marvelings that Corianton had. Alma said that now is the time to prepare our minds. Now is the time to prepare the minds of our children to hear the words of Christ and to accept him when he comes. And as I think about that, it occurs to me that God knows how strong the influence of the natural man. As our creator, he's well aware. And I think he knows that not many of us can just turn on a dime from 
a lifetime of practicing the natural man's ways and thinkings. That it actually takes practice to turn away from the natural man and to have that last. Redemption is the gift that he offers us. And preparing our minds and the minds of our children is the work that we're to accept and be engaged in. And the first thing where that work begins is developing trust in God. This week, I invite you to join me on Instagram at Carrie Hickenlooper Coaching and let me know how you go about trusting in God during your trials, your troubles, and your afflictions. Help build our faith and help us tend our gardens by sharing the fruits of yours.